morning, good evening, and welcome to Cottage Tech episode number three. We're up here on Six Mile Lake, Bruce and I. Um, not our best, most productive weekend. Uh, uh, well, I, I beg to differ with that. Actually, uh, our one of our number one projects was to empty the beer fridge, and uh, we're actually up for a week. And in two days, we've done pretty good damage to the beer fridge. But like I say, it hasn't been our most productive weekend because I think there's still a couple of beers in there, so we've still got some more work to do. So we could just shut down now and finish the project, or we could keep going and hopefully have it done by the end of But this. I think we should tell you a few of the projects we've been working on, and we have done a couple things while we've been up here. Uh, for one, we, we talked about the dock in the last... Well, one of the past episodes, and I was up here on my own without Cliff because he's been uh, in the penalty box at work. <laughs> Yay! I, <laughs> they put him on call every weekend, including long weekends, so he can't get out of the city. So I had to finish the dock myself to a certain extent, and uh, there's some, some finishing touches Cliff did that are quite interesting we should talk about. In addition to that, uh, over the last couple of days, we worked on a couple projects one of which was getting wood for the winter to uh, get us through the cold up here. And uh, we had a couple of challenges with chainsaws, so we can talk about that. Another was the water heater. Uh, We've decided to change that after several years of malfunction. So uh, anyway, we'll talk about that as well. Wasn't that a used water heater when you got it, like 25 years ago? Uh, we put it in in approximately 1990, and at that point, it was one I'd gotten from somebody. It was a used water heater. What's the half-life on lake sediment in a water heater? Uh, well, the half-life of a hot water heater is about 10 years if you're lucky. Uh, when you add lake sediment to it, I don't know. You're probably lucky if you get six or seven. I think the top half doesn't rot as fast as the bottom half full of sand. Well, let me tell you, when we disconnected that sucker, and the water in this cottage tended to be a little brown, and I always put that down to high nutrients. Yours <laughs> are the water heaters. <laughs> but uh, uh, we, we drained the water heater when we, we hauled it out and you know turned on that valve at the bottom. It was a, a very, what do you call it, orange or okra? All I know is that when you drink a large volume of Guinness... And it goes to the septic field, and then again goes to the lake, which then again goes to the water pump, which then again goes to the water system into the water heater. I don't think it's still supposed to be the color of Guinness. Well, what came out of that water heater was... About the color of Guinness. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So, thank goodness we don't drink hot water out of the taps at this cottage. (laughs) Again, we only drink beer. Which brings me up to another topic, which we may touch on this uh, this session, if not another one, and that is uh, we live on a very short road, relatively speaking. There's only 27 cottages on this road, but the diversity of personalities and people living on this road is quite amazing. And, of course, we will change the names, as usual, to protect the innocent and the guilty. Are we going to talk about Frank? Uh, crazy, crazy Frank? Well, we might do that, uh, but definitely... We will talk about some of the people. Uh, to give you an idea of Crazy Frank, uh, I was over there with my my daughter and her friend one, one evening, uh, quaffing a few beers, and, and Crazy Frank will tell you that uh, he, you know, some people criticize him for drinking too much. And I mean... Is Cliff, that possible? Uh, well, Cliff and I don't believe that's possible. 
But he will be very proudly stand up and tell you that he does not drink. He drinks beer, and he'll he'll tell you he drinks beer, and he's proud of it, and he loves it, but he will not touch a beer. He stops drinking beer at 5 o'clock in the evening. That's it. Because and at 5 o'clock in the evening... What does he switch to? He starts drinking wine. <laughs> well, what else? And so, he, you know, two to three bottles of wine by the end of the night. I mean, that that's pretty he- pretty healthy, I'd say. Because, of course, if he'd switch to scotch, then by about 7 o'clock, he'd be totally bladdered. So you, we've got a whole bunch of people on this road that are very interesting. So... Anyway, back to the initial thing. Let's start with the dock, Cliff. You did some work on the dock, which was really, I thought, quite ingenious. Well, we got, in all fairness, after our initial inaugural episode of Cottage Tech, when we built the uh, the, the connection hardware, the bridge, and all the other stuff for the dock to get ready for the arrival of the Virgin Floating Dock. Uh, unfortunately, I was not able to be up here the following weekend when poor... Bruce had to single-handedly, or virtually single-handedly, drag that bad boy from the marina all the way back here to the cottage and install it, which he did a wonderful job, and we had a floating dock installed, and it was decked out and everything. The only problem was that when you bolt a floating dock to a fixed dock using the great big aluminum hinges that they supply you with, there's a gap between the two parts of dock that you could probably lose a small child or certainly Paris Hilton's Chihuahua through. Now, so, i, I got to tell you, I, I don't really give a damn. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Paris they, Hilton they, would, and we do want to get her up here for a weekend. <laughs> the, the space we're talking about is not large. It's about three to four inches, and I figure anybody who has consumed less than 12 beer in the day can easily step over that and not fall through it, trip on it, or otherwise you, do you anything could that lose would cause a beer. me. You but, could lose a beer through that crack. Yeah, you know, Cliff is a bit of a perfectionist, so I told him, you know, if he's got a problem with it, solve it, but, you know, just please, don't involve me. I don't need this. So anyway, Cliff did come up with a great solution. So I solved it because I didn't want to lose a beer. Or, heaven forbid, if Paris ever does get up here for the weekend, we wouldn't want her to lose her chihuahua through there and get mad at us. So it was a simple matter. We just take a piece of 2 by 6 and we notch it out and drop it down through the slot, through the slot so that it's covering the hinges and it fills up the slot. And it uh, bobs your uncle. It seems to work okay. Now, there's and actually two 2 by 6s per uh, joint, if you will, or in between the sections. So between the fixed dock and the bridge we talked about, and then again between the bridge and the floating dock. And as Cliff said, he notches out just a rectangular notch to fit around the hinges, drops it in vertically, not horizontally the way the decking goes, but vertically. And that fills in, you know, a two-by-four is basically one-and-a-half inches, so it fills in about three inches of the gap. And quite frankly, it's brilliant because when you take the dock apart, you don't have a fixed board on top. The the normal reaction most people, myself included, would have been to uh, extend the planking, the decking, over that area, that space to fill it. But then, of course, you'd have to remove that plank in order to get to the brackets, pull out the pins to separate the dock in the winter when you pull the floating dock to shore. To avoid actually, ice my, damage. Actually, my first thought was just go get a sheet of 4 by 8 plywood. It was? Well, yeah, but but then I thought, first off, the plywood's expensive, and secondly, yeah, it would have been a bitch to get to the hinges when we had to take it apart in the fall. And it would have looked like shit. Well, but that's not after you've had too many beers. 
Okay. Well, in any look case, up, young man. <laughs> these, going completely out of the box, thinking out of the box, you end up with rather than going horizontal but vertical, dropping these things in. You don't nail them, screw them, anything. they just sit there. And they fill the gap, and in the fall or when you want to take the dock apart, you simply lift them out. I mean, it's actually, I think it's brilliant. I, I wouldn't normally admit this to Cliff, but this was a damn good idea. Okay, everybody rejoice. <laughs> hey, we so, got to figure out a way to put pictures on Flickr or something. Like that. We're going to have to see about setting up a Flickr account so we can put pictures on. So, so that was part of our productive day yesterday. Film at eleven. We, we had a damn productive day yesterday. We 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 changed the water heater. I did the electrical component, and uh, and because I'm an electrical engineer, which qualifies me for absolutely nothing electrical. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and Cliff did the uh, whole plumbing side of things. Uh, and we we're in a crawl space, w- which had a clearance of about four vertical feet. Now, Cliff's about pretty damn close to six feet. So that's, of course, where I sent him because I'm shorter. And, and that's laying down. And I'm much better at going to the beer fridge than Cliff is. <laughs> so he worked in there. He did the plumbing. We got the, the, uh, the water heater out, got it hooked up. And I don't know, how long did it take us, Cliff, to do the whole job? Well, basically <laughs> you to do the whole job. To get, to, to get the old sandbag out was the biggest project. Oh, by the way, you know, I mean, it's... For all you people out there in cottage country that have hot water heaters, I strongly suggest you have some kind of particulate filter. I think that's the official name for it. Basically, something that gets the lumps out for your water system before it gets into the hot water heater. Because the last thing you want to have to do is muscle a hot water heater that's half full of sand and sediment out of a crawl space. Trust me, that bad boy weighs a ton even when it's empty. And you really don't want to see the ugly brown stuff that comes out the bottom pipe of that thing. Remember, it's your hot water heater, and you're showering out of that thing. Man, that was sick. I'm glad we got a new one in there. Yeah, actually, actually we used to uh, fill up the tub. Well, I didn't even fill up the tub, but if kids were over for a bath, and the water was kind of eh, orangey-colored. So we did a test run with the, new, with the new water filter, and it was clear. I mean, it's quite amazing. Now... That brings up a whole another topic, which, which we can do another another uh, weekend, which is filtration, water filtration for the cottage. Suffice to say, I do have uh, initial filtration session on the uh, sorry initial filtration on the foot valve, but it's hardly enough apparently to uh, to solve the problem because the accumulation in the hot water tank was significant. Yeah, but I think a lot of that stuff came in before you had that. This, this actually, this this thing that Bruce has on the water intake, it's, uh, I think it's actually sold and marketed as a as a zebra mussel filter or something like that. Well, it's called an uh, an aqua filter, and it's a very dense cloth material that could, goes could over that be a frame. Because it filters that, aqua. Huh? Could that be because it filters aqua? It could be. Yeah. Okay. I thought I didn't think we had that in this country. It, it isn't effective on the uh, zebra mussels in terms of their smallest larvae, but it will filter out the larger ones. But it tends to filter out the largest pieces of crud that comes into your uh, system because we are on lake water here. Uh, nonetheless, a fair amount of sediment still co- does come through. But we'll, we're, gonna, we're very interested in seeing what happens now that we've got this uh, uh, legacy water heater out of the building which had a lot of crud built up in it prior to this filter going in as well i think we should take the new one out five years and weigh it okay get on that will (laughs) you 
I'm marking my calendar right now. There you go. I'll okay, so yesterday was pretty successful. In terms of the effort in that job, that was a relatively light job. I did the, as I it say, was, it, we, hauled it, we hauled the one, disconnected, cut it with, uh, with thumb um, pipe cutters, uh, cut off the mains, took it out, took the parts off. Uh, Disconnect was a one-beer right job. Now. Getting the bad boy out was a two-beer job. Yeah, I, the whole thing was only about three beers. Well, for Cliff, and I only had two because I was going light. I was, I was really being good. And I only well, did the electrical. I had to solder over my head. So that was that. I had to throw an extra beer in for that because, you know, solder in the eyes. So in total, it was about a five beer job. We had the, yeah, the hot water tank out and the new one installed. Now, while Cliff was doing the plumbing, I took on another project. That is trimming trees, both around the power line because they're growing up and rubbing on the power line, the telephone line. Around the cottage, because one thing, we're in the middle of the bush here, but you really don't want the trees hanging over the cottage roof. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, it's a great highway for insects, carpenter ants, and other things to come into the cottage. You want to leave that space. Two, it's breathing room. It allows the air to circulate. Ugh, try that again. It allows the air to circulate around the cottage. That prevents the growth of mold, mildew, and other things on the cottage, which contribute to the deterioration of the siding, uh, discoloration, etc. So I went around, and I had, fortunately, uh, a friend in Cliff, because Cliff brought down some terrific tools that I've known about, but I've never used. I've got to tell you, I would never you know, fork out the price before, but... Uh, now, there's no question. I would spend the money on these tools any time. Even if you have a small yard with some trees that have to be, be trimmed even a couple times you know, in a decade. And the one, the key one, is the pole trimmer. Now, this thing is amazing. And Canadian dollars, uh, <laughs> you know, which go pretty cheap, although not as cheap as they used to. Which means it's free. <laughs> Almost. I mean, according to Cliff, he only paid about 45 bucks for this thing. It was friggin' amazing. It's got an automatic, um, I shouldn't say automatic, it's all manual, but it's a long pole, and at the end of the pole is a curved saw. Now, the pole you can extend. You loosen the uh, clamp, you extend the pole, you tighten the clamp, you can make it any length you want up to the, you know, double the length of the initial pole. So you probably go up about, I would say, about 12 to 15 feet yeah, comfortably. You add that on to you know the height of the person using it. In my case, five foot seven, uh, five foot eight when I'm advertising on Lava Life for a female <laughs> partner. <laughs> five foot twelve laying down. <laughs> yeah, vertically, right? Yeah, <clears throat> but that's only when I'm excited. Anyway, so you can reach up to fairly good heights in these trees. Now, the interesting thing with the nature of this saw blade: uh, one, it's a very coarse blade, so it cuts through very quickly. Two, it's curved. It is a crescent-shaped. So if you hold it properly on that branch, as opposed to sawing just one side of the branch as you would with a straight blade, if you pull the blade right through in the full motion, it cuts both sides of the branch, even the one that's on the opposite side of you. So it's brilliant. When you get down to just a, a small part of left of the wood on the branch, it snaps off and cuts right through. You don't end up with this thing hanging because of the far side. That's a cutting blade. On top of that, you can 
take the saw, not use the blade at all, but there's actually cutters, like massive snippers, and there's a rope attached to it. You just lodge this kind of crescent over the, the, the limb, you pull the rope, and it snips, and it's quite powerful. When you consider this thing is like 45 bucks for a good one, we're talking tool of the day here. This is this definitely, is definitely tool of the day. Absolutely. This thing was amazing. I did a huge amount of work with this in a very short time. I cleared all the branches around from the cottage. I cleared the whole power line coming in. Actually, I didn't cut the power line. I came close at one point. And, but I cleared all the branches from around the power line. I ran into two two situations with trees, and these were... You would call them saplings, but these things were about 25 feet tall, but very thin. And uh, the guy who wired the phone, because I've never had a phone up in in this place until the last two years. And I've had this place for, well, since 1988. And I really, I'm not into technology up here. I prefer not to have technology. But for reasons I won't go into right now, I did put in a phone. The, uh, The bell guy who strung the wires strung it around these damn trees so the trees are growing up in between the telephone line and the power line and it's actually pushing them over onto the power line so I had to gradually work my way up fist over fist on these saplings to bring them down low enough and the one in particular was very strong and pull it on the other side of the telephone line so it could grow up straight and not interfere with them but to do that first I had to cut away a bunch of branches and this tool was amazing. I mean, it, it worked in no time flat. I had things set up, and uh, you know, if I had to pull that tree down any further, I'd probably been propelled to the next lake. But nonetheless, I did get it done. So, tool of the day: the pole trimmer. If you've got any trees, you guys need one of these things. They are amazing. Canadian Tire. You can't argue. And that's if you live in Canada. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, in all honesty, I got, got to give credit to my, my my darling wife Karen, the the efficient gardener. She normally shops at Lee Valley, which is like way too expensive and unaffordable for most people. And she's got some pretty serious heavy duty loppers and pruners and other stuff like that that uh, that she uses all the time around around our place to do pruning. And I brought a lot of that stuff up to do some other stuff, but. I gotta say, this pole pruner is—it's—it's uh, it's the cat's meow. You stick that thing up in the air, you pull on the wire, and lumber comes falling to the ground. Well, okay, maybe it's just kindling, but it's still lumber. But uh, in summary, uh, you know, actually, it just—considering that it was pissing rain all day—I had to—I had to turn on the bilge pump on my boat and it pumped for about a minute and a half. We still got quite a bit done.